I, I was committed there, yes. Um, uh, I'd probably be the head coach at OU. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I, I, that's probably what would have happened. But I'm, but I'm in a great shape here. I don't, have to, I don't have to listen to all that down there. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Confidence. Very matter of fact, as you pointed out, uh, that Gundy believes he would be the head coach here. Oh, they would have parted ways with Stoops if I was there. They would have hired me in 01 <laughs> off a title. He takes the Browns job, I step in, and we don't miss a beat. rest is history. Oh, he, uh, amazing. He, he, he was asked about the lack of animosity in, in Bedlam and, like, all rivalries these days. And he was going on about kids talk to each other now, and they're always messaging on Instagram with one another. And he's like, when I was at Midwest City, we didn't talk to the guys at Dale City. We wanted to take their girls. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, uh, I was actually thinking about that same thing this weekend and I was thinking about it when I was watching the end of that TCU Texas game game ends and I guess everyone now after watching the NFL has decided that we all go out and shake hands and greet each other at at the 50 and you know it's like this thing where the two quarterbacks have to go and, and shake hands and that used to not be a thing in college football. I don't know when it started happening, but never, not one game that I ever played in in college did the two teams meet out on the field after the game was played. Did it start in soccer? Did soccer do the original jersey swap after the match, and then the NFL started doing it, and then that's where it well, really started? I don't know. I don't know. Well, in the when I went to the NFL – I, I had, you know, this is just me. I, I was naive. Like, I had never seen that before. So when the game was over and, like, I just run to the locker room and everyone would go out there and do their degree and you, I guess you go say what's up to guys that maybe you played with in college and everything. So it was happening in, in the NFL, but I never saw it in college at all. And now it's, it's what everyone does in college, too. It's... um. I don't know. I guess call it sportsmanship or whatever, but I don't. I, I have no reason to go talk to anyone else on the other team. Agree. Tell me why I shouldn't be really nervous about. I mean, I'm really nervous. Period about Saturday, but this offense. I'm just looking at the past three games and um, left at least 21 points out there on Saturday. Left a ton of points out there against Baylor and even Iowa State. They left some points out there. So I, I'm just I'm kind of in a weird spot right now with this OU offense. Why why should I be confident that they're going to get back to balling out on Saturday? I, I, I know OSU's I defense no is really bad, but um, I I have no idea. I don't know what you want me to say. I it, here's what I'll tell you. I have zero doubt that during the game against Oklahoma State on Saturday, we will have plenty of opportunities for big plays and touchdowns. Don't doubt that. I don't. Now, I don't know whether or not we will take advantage of all of them, 
some of them or none of them. I have no idea. But those opportunities will be there. That's been the one consistent thing that's happened, you know, this this whole season. You don't have to look back very far. You know, you had uh, had the one against West Virginia there. Or you had two of them against West Virginia. Um, didn't we have one against Baylor, too? Uh, I think so, yes. Uh, we definitely had one against Iowa State, like the first play of the game, right? Uh, that got got called back because of procedure, wasn't that yeah. Iowa State? Yeah. E- and we dropped yes. it anyway. Yeah, yeah. The first play of the game, Mims dropped that one, but it was called back anyway. That's that's correct. Right. Yes. You know, so like those those opportunities are going to be there. Can we take advantage of any of them? I don't know. Um. I mean, we can open this up to the text line, I guess, if you want. I mean, it's like what's what's been the most disappointing thing so far. It, the the fact that this team is a, as undisciplined as they are is um, highly disappointing to me, and maybe the most undisciplined team that I've seen at OU in quite some time. How about we try something else on the text line? How about tell us what you think is something that we'll be able to build on for next year? Okay. Like, what positives do you see? What young players do you see? Because we know all the crappy things that have happened out there. There's, let's we can go. We well, we've spent two hours going round and round on a bunch of them. I, is there anything that we that you see out there that we can build well, on for next it, year? It, someone called in in the post game and asked us that. Like, give me a reason why next year is going to be better. And in that moment, thirty minutes after OU lost to the worst team in the conference. It was it was really it was really difficult to give a definitive reason as to why it's going to be any different or any better next year. If you're asking me now, um, I guess some of the players that need to be gone, I have confident will not be on the roster next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, there's definitely going to be a uh, drawing of. The line in the sand yeah. <laughs> moving forward. And e- even though it's hard to see it now, and you mentioned it with uh, RSJ last hour, I think there are some young guys that are showing a bit of promise. Robert Spears Jennings is one. I I was very aggravated at R. Mason Thomas for the face, uh, face mask on the sack, but at least he's back there applying pressure, I guess. like yeah. I can point to some young guys defensively who I think, okay, they got a chance to be pretty good players. Right. Um, Spears Jennings, R. Mason Thomas. Um, I'm excited about Stutzman for the future. Um, I'm. Aguebu's got another year, right? Yeah, I think he does. I don't know if he'll come back or not. I, but I don't know about that it, one. Well, I, here's the thing, and I know there's there's frustration there, but. Experience is critical because right now we don't have anyone else, period, that's ever played any amount of linebacker at all other than our two inside backers that are starting. Uh, Deshaun White will be gone, and I'm excited about Canick. I think he'll be the guy that takes over at that that cheetah spot. You're expecting a major offseason jump with him. I mean, you, you, um, you are banking on him to be a dude next year. It's a lot to ask. Canick? Yeah. Well... It's going to be a lot to ask. I'm just – it's less to ask if he's got experience around him, you know. And 
like right now, there's we just flat out don't have anyone else that's played any inside backer at all. Now, um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on him. Uh, super fast backer. I think he's number 13. Got hurt this year. Shoulder. Shane Witter. Witter. Witter will be back. He's played sparingly, but um, you know he'll be back. But I. We didn't mention Bowman. Bowman is technically a young player. I, I know yep. he's you know played a decent amount for a guy that's a true sophomore. But yeah, you um, I, the hope for him next year is that one he stays healthy, but he turns into a he turns into the first dude defensively that you've had in a while. Yeah, especially in the back end. Uh, and there's some good young players that aren't playing right now that you know I am excited about. Um. Why am I drawing a blank? The big corner from Tulsa. Um, oh, Jaden Rowe. Jaden Rowe. I'm glad I can uh, be your spotter today during this segment. Well, uh, 13. <laughs> yes. Yeah, or whatever number Just he do is. it Gundy style. Um, He's long. He can run. He Hell, he's 6A1 uh, track champ last year, 13. Yeah, I, I'm excited about him. And, and there's, there's other guys like um, Grayson Holton who – True freshman jumped off sides on that, you know, that fourth and ten or fourth, yeah, fourth and ten that gave him that free play. Um, I guess it was fourth, fourth and fifteen rather. I, he's done some good things out there. I'm excited about his future. Uh, you know, there's there's guys that that have done some good things, um, and that's just defensively. So I do think there's some good players that are gaining some valuable experience. But you know, all that to say that. There's got to be a massive jump forward for a lot of these guys. It has to be. And some of the freshmen that are out there that are on campus now that haven't played, I'm not talking about necessarily a huge jump for those guys, but I, you know, there, there's got to be a lot of learning that's done, and you've got to be yeah. able to enter with a little bit of background as to what's going on out there. I I think the growth, though, has to extend beyond just the – like, they're going to have to grow as a team, man. No doubt. They they don't play like a a team. And I I know that's like such an elementary way to to phrase things, but – I don't I don't feel that. I don't feel – they they need to develop a backbone at some point. And at the front of this segment, I mentioned how undisciplined they are. They've got to become a disciplined football team. They, they have to. I, I'm just going to go back to the drive chart on Saturday and find some plays. The fourth and one, all of a sudden now it's fourth and six. The difference in between fourth and one and fourth and six, this is a smart fan base. They know the difference on that. That ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. It's a turnover on downs. The uh, the offsides call that you just referenced, the the play right before half against Baylor, There's hey. the face mask on a sack, they've got to become a disciplined program, man. They're so undisciplined. It's so aggravating. I know that we can talk about that in a separate segment. These are things I need it that, now. These are things that we uh, okay. Sorry, build sorry. On I'll get future. I'll get back to the positive. <laughs> Let's see what the text line has to say. Shorter lines at the concession stands. Said someone from the four hundred five. <laughs> oh, uh, I did get a Ethan Downs. Yes, uh, T. Rowe sent yeah. me that. He's he's a young young player too. Uh, excited about him, needs to take a big step forward for next year. John Arnold says, OU can't stay bad, and that's what we can build on. No school has more pressure to put a good product on the field than OU. Uh, yeah. Patrick says, play Jaden Gibson since Mims can't catch it. 918. Well, okay, offensively, though. Yeah. 
Jaden Gibson is a guy that I think has a ton of potential. Nick Anderson, who's been hurt all year, we haven't had a chance to see him at all. Um, that's a young guy that you're excited about. Javante Barnes. Barnes is a guy you're excited about. I haven't seen anything from Saul Chuck, so don't really know necessarily what to expect, but highly recruited guy. You know, the 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 thing that kind of has me worried for next year is O-line. O-line, tight end. Yeah, they'll, they'll get a tight end in the portal, but we'll see what type of tight end they get in the portal. That's where yeah. they're going. Yep. Yep. Offensive line, though, because Anton Harrison is he's going to be gone. You know, I, I saw something the other day. I had him as the 25th overall uh, prospect in the entire draft. Um, so it's going to be hard for him to turn that down. Cheaper spring game tickets, LOL, from the 918. God, I hope we don't have to revisit that $15, though. Think about again. it. Man. It's too, too high. Malcolm Kelly being the new wide receivers coach is a reason to be optimistic. Uh, Kobe McKenzie should be good from the 918. I hope, I hope Kobe McKenzie should be good. Uh, refresh my memory on Kobe McKenzie. Well, that says it all right there. True freshman backer. Um, that. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, red shirting this year. He's he's got he's got potential to be uh, a big thumper, Mike backer. Um, we'll see. We'll see if he, he you know, he's got to make some strides just in in speed, in quickness. Got to get some quick feet, um, you know, be able to move and react faster. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, you know, but he's, he's another guy that we're just, it's all hope. We don't have anything to look at and say, like, show me some of the positives that we've seen from him moving forward. Like, I hope that he improves a lot under um, under Schmitty and, and getting another year under his belt of coaching and, and understanding the defense. But, you know, you're still you're kind of flying blind on that. Farouk is another guy to be excited about. Um, if Mims is gone next year, he's got to be – well, not doesn't have to be, but he would be the early oh, yeah. favorite to be wide receiver number one. He's oh, yeah. really he's come on strong here the second half and – I don't know, man. Like, if they can't catch any deep balls, start going to Farouk down the field. I trust him right now to go make a play more than any other receiver that they have. I trust Farouk. Right. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Okay. And I want to have it answered <laughs> truthfully, honestly, and immediately. Will they try and find a quarterback in the transfer portal to challenge for the starting spot. Like, legitimately. Like, not go out and look for a backup. Try and find a – are they at least throwing that out there and looking for it? My immediate answer is yes, they will. But If they have that opportunity. I don't, I don't think that they're going to have that opportunity. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think – some really good quarterback is going to say, all right, well, I'm not guaranteed anything at OU. I'm going to have to battle it out for a, against a multi-year starter, and they have a five-star freshman quarterback coming in. Like, yeah, well, To answer your question, yes, I think they will. Absolutely, they'll look for that. 
I just don't know if they're going to have that opportunity. And I don't know. We don't know who's going to be in the portal. Right. But, well, we don't know who's going to be in the portal, obviously. But I, the pitch isn't going to be as hard as you think, maybe, whenever our record is going to be what it is. You know, I, it, I, I think that Dylan Gabriel is I, – I think that his his performance, like, he's been solid. He hasn't been great. I think people have been a little more critical on him than maybe necessary. But I, it's not going to – like, there's not a lot of people that are going to be looking at Oklahoma at, you know, 6-6 six and six or whatever it is that we finish at and be, be talking about, like, Dylan Gabriel's not going to be challenged at quarterback. Like, the, sure. there's no possibility there. So I think that that I think there may be some. Now I don't know who it necessarily would be, but honestly, if they're doing their due diligence as a staff, like of course they're going to explore that option at quarterback if it's available. They'd be crazy not to. Right. Yeah. Which speaking of the portal, by the way, tell me if you can read in between the lines of this tweet. Steve Wiltfong of Twenty Four Seven Sports said earlier today, some elite players expected in portal with destinations on where they'll land also already being planned. If you're not backdoor recruiting the portal, you could never get a swing on a big-time player going in. Right. Basically, the portal doesn't officially open until December, but portal movements are going on right now behind the scenes, one way or the other. Yeah. No, I mean, that's just that's kind of how it has to be. Uh, honestly, and I know there's there's probably rules against it. I mean, I know there's rules against it, but I if players are maneuvering, then teams have to be maneuvering, you know. So I don't I don't I don't doubt that at all. And we've seen it, right? Like oh last my gosh, year, have we seen it? Yes, Absolutely. last year we saw a bunch of guys. Enter the transfer portal and miraculously overnight, kind of announcing NIL deals at those those places as if it's all already been set up. Well, they would, you know, pretend take visits elsewhere to show interest, only to know that their USC deal. They were going to USC. Let's just throw them off the scent a little bit. Hey, Caleb, start a rumor about Wisconsin. Hey, Jordan Addison, start something about Texas here. Right. Um. Hmm. I'm just trying to think of what uh, what quarterback could be out there where there's a possibility, you know. And I guess I just Jaden Delore. You were you were uh, bragging yeah. about him at Arizona. He's a good player. Yep, he's already thrown for over three thousand yards, twenty four touchdowns, eight interceptions, and um, I think he's uh, he's just a sophomore too. So text line says Booze State quarterback. They meant to say Boise. Maybe they just say booze a lot on the text. I don't know anything about – who's the quarterback there? Booze State quarterback Hank Backmeyer. He's our man. <laughs> How, man, I wish we could get uh, Drake May from North Carolina if we had an opportunity. What, the Heisman Trophy uh, yeah. finalist? That's, that's who you want? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. They tampered I, with him in the portal at Oklahoma. <laughs> I can see here it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you think – I mean, there's – they're not going to put all their their eggs in the Jackson Arnold basket. I wouldn't imagine. It's just you, you've got to you've got to solidify yourself a little bit better than 
I mean, I, I think he looks fantastic, and everyone else does too. And I think there's a, there's a good chance that he's going to be a fantastic college player, but you, know, you just never know. So you got to con- continue to pursue that and push that position with competition. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for With DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. We've got a choice to, to make, and we got to go play well. You know, I think everybody in that locker room is uh, hurting right now. we got to get them back up, got to get us back up, and, and find a way to, to go play our butt off on Saturday and, and win better. I think everybody also understands the importance of this game coming up on Saturday, a week from today. So uh, our guys will, will fight and scratch and, and put us in a position to, to be able to go win. Final hour of the rush on this Reaction Monday. Text line says, greetings from Water Valley, Mississippi. Great show as always. Better times are on the horizon. Stay strong, Sooner Nation. Do you still believe that uh, better times are indeed on the horizon? And can better times be on the horizon as soon as next season? As soon as next season? Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Well, because uh, <laughs> this season, it can't get much worse than... Way well, hey, they can go 5-7 and seven and lose to Bedlam on Saturday. It can't well, get worse. Well, I know, and that's why I think that next season would be better. <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. You cannot lose this weekend. God, you can't lose this weekend. I know it's not going to be an easy win, but it it feels bad right now, but you lose next weekend and everything changes. Well, not everything changes, but it's going to be even worse. Yeah. Um, I – yeah, do I think that next year can be better? Absolutely. Not only do I think it, I expect it. And I demand it. And I think it will happen. Now, there has to be a there has to be a fundamental change in like how 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 a lot of these players carry themselves, carry the locker room, like what they demand of one another. Because I already know that the coaches are like what they ask of these guys, you know, and I know there's plenty of people that are always real quick to blame the coach and we need a new coach. This isn't working. I, I don't, I just never do that. I think there's, there's like personal responsibility on the players to show up prepared, to show up in shape, to show up rested ready to go out there and play your best game. And if that's not happening, it's on you to fix it. And the coach is going to be – it's his job. They're there all day long, prepping, preparing, watching film, trying to figure out a way to put their guys in the best position, like how to help them out, like what else do we need to do, racking their brains constantly. So to me, it's like, – I'm not worried about that end of it. I'm worried about the guys making the plays where they've had 
wide open tackles, wide open catches, you know, penalties, uh, just missed opportunity after missed opportunity. I just don't, I can't make the leap that a lot of people can between a guy missing a wide open touchdown and the offensive coordinator is not any good. You know, I, I said I, that you, earlier. No, I agree with that. It's like you think that the the wide receivers don't practice catching the football. Like, what else you want to do other than go out there, catch it for him, and hand it to him so he can run into the end zone? Like, at some point, the players have to take it upon themselves to go out and do the work. Agree, agree. Uh, by the way, we need to do our under the radar player from Saturday. Under the radar player. Brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. They're a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under-the-radar Sooner startups. Learn how you can uh, help support OU innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. Right. I'll use this as a question. Um, did Danny Stutzman play well enough to be an under-the-radar player? I know that he's not an under-the-radar type of guy, but this is more of did he under-the-radar have a better game than people think or no, absolutely not? Yeah, that's that's exactly who my uh, under the radar player was going to be. I think he had what uh, fourteen total tackles, um, tackle for loss. I think uh, interception. Fourteen total tackles, nine solos, a half sack, and a half TFL. Yeah, plus an interception, and you know he was playing with great effort all over the field. Did he play a perfect game? No, he did not play a perfect game. But he continues to improve. He's playing better and better. He's you know, he's playing more responsibility, sound football. He's playing better in the passing game. He obviously still has moments that you know aren't the best, but it's to be expected for a sophomore in his first year starting. I think so far, considering everything. Danny Stutzman's been a bright spot on guys that show up, workman attitude and effort every single uh, game, week in, week out. And, you know, that's that's really all you can ask. Probably his best stat line of the year on, on Saturday. It wasn't yeah. all perfect. It wasn't all great. I mean, you could see on some replays where he definitely missed some stuff. But it was, he filled up the stat sheet more than he has, I think, probably um, maybe the entirety of this year in a single game. Speaking yeah. of that um, – and maybe this is my under-the-radar player. I, I guess it can be. Like, like numbers that you see at the end of the game and say, oh, okay. Um, I know Ethan Downs has you know gotten some crap this year. He had six total tackles on Saturday, three solo. He had one sack and three TFLs in a quarterback hurry. Nice. By the numbers, I mean, that's a, that's a, he had by far and away the most TFLs on the team. Yep. Is he a fair candidate for an under-the-radar player? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I think so. I think I think Farouk is. Drake had, Stoops definitely is. Drake Stoops. Farouk had, we had five catches for 49 yards and uh, one carry for four yards. But, man, I, a lot of those short plays that he gets, somehow he turns them into really nice gains that are like 10, 12-yard gains out of nothing. It looks like he's going to be stopped for, you know, no gain, maybe even a loss or a short gain, and, and he turns the corner like at the sideline 
and gets upfield and turns it into a first down and a gain of 10 or 12. I'm telling you, man, Farouk's playing at a level now to where, you know, we talked about several games back, like whatever you got to do to get Mims the ball, just just get in the ball and he'll figure it out. Like I, I think you might need to have that game plan on Saturday for Farouk. Yeah. Like the same – whether it's just a wide receiver screen, whatever it needs to be, just get the ball in Farouk's hands. Good things happen when he touches the ball. I, I think that's where he's at now. Yeah. He's deserved that. He's um, he's done a good job. He's done a good job. He's um, He's been impressive here recently. He continues to come on strong. and uh, He's got what? He's got 28 catches for 357, two touchdowns. And uh, I think that I think you could definitely target him more, but I don't know. He's he's by far our best receiver after the catch. I agree. Uh, that's the under the radar player. Brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. Boyd Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under the radar sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. Uh, text line. Let's see. Do you think BV continues to allow overthrows and hypersonic five-yard bullet balls from Dylan Gabriel? Do I th- say that again? Do you think BV continues to allow overthrows and hypersonic five-yard bullet balls from Dylan Gabriel? Does, does he continue to allow that? Uh, well, for this year, yeah, absolutely he continues to allow it. You know why? They ain't got no one else to put in there. So, I, I, I don't know. Does he allow it? I, what else you want him to do? Like they're coaching him up, they're trying to get the best out of him that they can. And I, I don't even know where to go with that. With the amount of turnover that will take place this off season, and how this team will be next year, would it not be smart to dumb down the scheme until we have the experience? We've gone over this, but the scheme is the scheme. Like, you, you can't dumb it down. Yeah. Because, like, if you dumb it down at one point, what point are you going to ramp it back up? You, I, you either got to learn it or you, you don't. I mean, I'm not a I don't it even think it, I don't even think it's that difficult, frankly. I mean, there's some things in there that are, you know, there, there are multiple defense, they run multiple fronts, but it's not like they're doing anything ridiculous. You know, it, it, they're – they're playing what is looked at as fairly standard defense in this conference. So, I mean, I, you you just got to try and put your guys in position to to make plays, and that's really what we've done. I mean, how many times are we talking about guys that have you know missed tackles in uh, the backfield? Several and, times on, yeah, it happens. And, you know, we've got guys three guys surrounding a, a dig on fourth and ten you know, what else do you what else you want to do whenever you've got three guys standing all all the way around it or a I third mean, and the, five that West Virginia had in the third quarter third and five and they had two missed tackles on Garrett Green and he gets a first down right it's like, what like, do you do like, that's not a scheme thing like if you've got guys that are in position to make the plays you don't dumb down the scheme the guys, you just have—they just have to get better at playing it. We got to stop this attitude of not holding any of the players responsible for being ready to play. Like, where is this coming from? Is this some new thing all of all of a sudden, where everyone can go out there and we can watch it happen with our eyes, 
that there's guys in position to make plays, but we're not going to put any responsibility there at all. It's going to just be passed on to the coaches. Is that the new thing to do now? Uh, well, um, yeah, there was a wide open deep ball for a walk in touchdown, but our coordinator not any good. Where? How do we make that leap? Where does that come from? I don't know, but I just saw that uh, Garrett Green is the was the Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Week this, for this week. Jeez, yeah. <sighs> that one's that's tough. not a shock. Had a great second half. Kid's athletic. He can he can he can move now with his legs. He creates plays, makes it incredibly tough. He had 119 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the ground. About 52 mis- uh, broken tackles. I feel like. Yep. Unofficial stat, but it's probably pretty close. <laughs> All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments remaining. Stay tuned. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. It's the season of giving thanks, pumpkin spice, and everything nice. Get the nicest deals on all the new Buicks at Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Like the quiet, comfortable SUV. The new 2022 Buick Envision. St. Joe's has provided a path to a brighter future through education for Native American children. Learn more at stjo.org today. I mean, a lot of guys played really good on the defensive side of the ball. Plenty good enough for us to win. Uh, offensively, zero rhythm in the game. Um, we could not get out of our own way, which is extremely frustrating. Clearly did not see this coming. Uh, thought we practiced really well. Thought we were prepared. Thought we understood the plan. Just not executing. And the reality of it is that's on me because I have to make sure that I'm putting the players in position where they feel confident enough to go make plays. And uh, clearly tonight we didn't do it. Sometimes you're going to have ugly games, but you find a way. It was ugly, and we had a chance, and we didn't find a way. And uh, in the end, didn't play good enough to win. And we lost to a good team, but this was more about us. Um, and credit to them for hanging in there and not turning the ball over. But we didn't play good enough to win the football game, especially offensively. I mean, it wasn't all bad on Saturday. I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't all bad. You get to hear disappointed Steve Sarkeesian because offensively they only put up three points. And why did Texas only put up three points? Because Quinn Ewers is overrated, just like we said he was going to be coming into the year. Yet another game where Quinn Ewers should have been pulled, Hudson Card probably should have been inserted in the game. Texas doesn't make the move, and I can't say they would have won the game if Hudson Card's in. I don't think that that's the case, but they didn't even try it, man, to try and bring some life back to their offense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They, they, uh, they're stuck in that spot. I, I don't know. Frankly, don't care what they do at quarterback. Um, you know, that, that game was, I was an impressive win by TCU. Yeah, it was. Uh, defensively to play the way that they did. That was a, that was a 17 to three game. Texas made it interesting when TCU had that fumble, turnover gave him a free touchdown um but then they went back out there got a couple of what one or two first downs that throw on what third and six third and four third and six to quentin johnston by max doug and just pounded it in there quentin johnston at six four going up making a a really tough grab to get that first down on a bum ankle is like that's why that dude is is 
is what he is, and that's why it pays to have big receivers, man. And look at TCU cruising. Yeah, that, that may have been best possible outcome for them because the thought was, well, defensively, they just kind of hang on. They won that game because of their defense. Yeah, yeah. But you were That's, bad again, man. Oh, he's bad again. Yeah, I didn't get to see. I saw like I saw the fourth quarter, so I didn't get to see much of the game. But seventeen of thirty nine. He missed his first seven throws. I think was the number. It's not good. Yeah, his last three games, his his numbers have not been good. I'll put it together and see what his completion percentage is. But it is it's not pretty at all, and. We'll see with Texas. You know they still got, still got a couple of tough games left. What they got Baylor and Kansas, right? They're at KU this week, yeah, and Woo. then Baylor at home. Texas like an eight point, eight or nine point favorite in that game. Like okay, that nine point favorite is Texas. Mm. Me well, might like KU plus the nine in that spot. Yeah, uh, that that's not going to be a, an easy game for them because you know Kansas is going to be chomping at the bit. Yeah. More good news from Saturday. The fight in 420s lost their seventh game of the year. Texas A&M is now 3-7. and seven. They will not be going bowling, and they lost to a bad Auburn team to where their interim head coach dropped an F-bomb on live TV in the post-game interview. <laughs> uh, shout, out, wow. shout out to Cadillac for that. It was cool. I didn't, uh, I didn't see any of that game. I don't even think I saw the highlights of that game, as weird as well, that Well, there is. wasn't any highlights to share from the A&M-Auburn game. That's probably why. Brutal. Not a whole lot going on there. Woo, Brutal. it's bad in co- I mean, it's bad here. There's no doubt, but it is bad in College Station. Yeah. And what what they got left? They've got They got UMass, UMass? at home and then LSU at home. Well, LSU has already locked up a spot in the SEC Championship game. Yeah. UMass, I don't know anything about UMass, but they got to be looking at A&M who already lost to App State. And they've lost six straight games. They got to be thinking, boys. If it's ever going to happen, it's now. This is our chance to go get it done. I think oh, you, they're one and nine. Yeah, and, and they've thrown two touchdown passes all year in their uh, ten games. So mm. I think even A and M can figure out a way to beat UMass. Yeah, just a hunch there. Yeah. But it would be awesome if they lost to UMass. Oh my gosh. That would. Jimbo wouldn't make it to the locker room, I don't think. <laughs> also, you got to give credit where credit's due. The toughest player in the Big 12 is probably Spencer Sanders. Wasn't supposed to play on Saturday. He comes in and rec- rescues the day. Iowa State was abysmal offensively with all those turnovers and a missed field goal right before half, but OSU finds a way. They win it 20-14 to over Iowa State. Man, I got Ewers' numbers over the last three games. He is 54 of 119, completing 45% of his throws. Yikes. Tough. And I didn't even look at the interception numbers. He's thrown several interceptions. and He threw three against Oklahoma State. Uh, he threw, I think, two touchdowns, three picks against OSU. Zero and one last week, and then whatever he had against Kansas State. So he's yeah. probably... He's probably a minus in that category. Yeah. Yeah, well, it it's definitely not good. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see what they do. Five um, turnovers for Iowa State on Saturday. Jeez, guys. Really? Yeah. Oh, Come but on, hey, fellas. they scored 31 against West Virginia. 
The OU offense mustered up only 18 points. Beautiful. Well, hey. Not to harp when, on the negative, though, you know. When you miss two field goals and turn a, a walk-in touchdown into a, a field goal and then leave a, uh, I mean, a, a layup, absolute, no-doubter touchdown, deep ball. That's 17 points that they left out there. 17. Yep. At least. 17 that are there. Like, not – like it's it's a it's a guarantee that it's going to happen. It's right it's there. It's catching a pop fly is what those are. Yeah, the throw that Gabriel misses and the catch that Mims dropped. I mean, that's what it equates to. Well, I think that the throw that Gabriel missed was maybe a little bit more difficult than than it looked on TV. Just throw a pop fly to him. He still scores. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah, he's got to put some touch on that ball. Yeah. Would you take five and seven if it meant A and M and Texas lose out? No, I would no. not. I would not. Their seasons want... already suck at this point. Nothing's yeah, I don't, changing that. Like they're not turning any heads at all. I don't care anything about Texas and and Texas A and M. Not at all. Will Ewers or Card be available in the portal? Oh, I think Hudson Card will be. Yes. Yeah, I had someone text me. I think that's not a bad idea for Hudson Card. What? What is he? Is he a... So he was a freshman last year, right? Really? I, I feel like he yeah, was a true a, freshman last he's year. He's a sophomore. Yeah, six foot two, 200 pounder. This year, his numbers are 69% completion percentage, Tyler. Nice. Uh, right under 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. So he played pretty well. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap the day up next here from Newcastle. Stay tuned. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. My name is Dee, and I dream big. I need a good job to get what I want, so I signed up for DRS Transition. Are you a teen with a disability? Get free career counseling. Work experience. And a paycheck. DRS Transition helped us get ready for life. Dream big. Dream big. Contact Oklahoma Department of Rehabilitation Services, 800-487-4042, or okdrs.gov. Holy hail damage! Are you or your loved ones looking for a trustworthy and affordable roofing company after the storms? Look no further than Elite Roofing Systems, a sooner-born, sooner-bred, locally-owned roofing company. Elite Roofing has been helping homeowners and commercial property owners across the greater OKC area get beautiful, functional roofing systems at reasonable rates. Call Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing Systems today at 405-361-3094 for a free evaluation and estimate today. When you have suffered a major loss, your head might be spinning. So many things can run through your mind. Is my family safe? How am I going to rebuild? Which restoration company will I be working with? After you